0: Good morning, everybody. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26. So for those of you who are following along uh, in a Bible or an app, however you choose to read your scripture, uh, that is where we will be this morning. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26, as we look at Jesus inviting us to share the very example that he sets for us. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And forfeits his soul. Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word, that you speak to your people, that you communicate by the power of your written word, that you use broken vessels like myself, Lord, I pray that you would pour out your spirit in this place this morning, that you would renew our hearts, transform our minds by the power of your word, not by anything that I say, but by your power, by the power of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. And it's in his high and holy name we pray. Amen. Now, for those of you that don't know me, and at this point, I'm assuming that's most of you, my name is Tom Watson. Uh, I am the youth pastor at Metro North Church in Goose Creek, uh, and I've been in ministry for roughly 24 years. Uh, I went into youth ministry in 1998 because of the role my, my youth pastors played in my life. They taught me what it means to be a godly man. They modeled what it means to be a godly husband and father. And so I wanted to have that role for students myself. But when I first began in ministry, I had a lot to learn. There was a lot that I did not know coming into ministry. I was a 17-year-old high school graduate from Stahl High School, just enrolled at Charleston Southern University. I was single and only child from a broken, divorced family. Most days, even today, I make, I mostly make it look like I know what I'm doing. But then I married my wife, Amy, on March 22nd, 2010. We met at Charleston Southern in 1999. My joke is that it took me 10 years to wear her down and she finally said yes. But suddenly, once I became married, I, I had this authority Regarding relationships, when I would teach or uh, get to share the word, the content that I was sharing hadn't changed. My theology hadn't changed. But now, simply because I was married, I was able to have a voice or a voice of credibility into relationships. And then it continued even more on August twelfth, two 2011, when my oldest son was born, Isaac. And all of a sudden, it was like joining this exclusive club People began sharing intimate details about their life and their marriages and their their families uh, because suddenly, simply because I was married and had children, people viewed me as having uh, credentials that I didn't have before. I was more capable of, of applying God's word to certain issues simply because of where I was in my life. Again, my theology hadn't changed. But my position and status in life had ushered me into this new level, a level of social interaction and almost like a membership to an exclusive club that I hadn't been a part of before. And I know this sounds silly, but this is a concept that we're familiar with, social structures and groups that in order to belong, certain criteria must be met. Perhaps it's uh, maintaining a certain level of, of performance at work or for students to maintain a certain grade point average uh, for a, a scholarship or to be in certain classes in school. Sometimes there are literal membership dues that must be paid to be part of a group. Sometimes it's just knowing the right people and being in the right place at the right time. We look at this passage this morning and we see that Jesus is revealing to his disciples that there is an exclusive aspect of the Christian faith. Now, Christianity itself is an inclusive faith. Anyone who confesses the name of Christ, his death and resurrection, scripture says, will be saved. But Jesus gives an exclusive qualifier to that faith. We look at this passage and summarized, or as I would tell my students, Jesus is saying that if anyone wants to follow me, they have to be a loser. Not a loser in our cultural context. Oh, that guy's such a loser. I can't stand to be around him. But a loser as in being a person who is willing to lose. Willing to let go. A person who is willing to sacrifice, a person who is willing to lay down their rights on the behalf of others. In that regard, Scripture is calling all believers to be what I call godly losers. Scripture calls us to be godly losers, not to view yourself as worthless, like you're some sort of cosmic garbage, that you're some sort of accident that just happens to be meandering through life here but a loser who is willing to deny yourself for the sake of others. And this passage reveals that in three ways. First, in verse 24, that you are willing to give up your comforts. Willingly giving up your comforts in verse 24. Secondly, in verse 25, willingly giving up your safety. Willingly giving up your safety in verse 25. And lastly, willingly giving up your life, in verse 26. Let's look first at what it means to willingly give up your comforts. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's the qualifier Christ gives to his disciples, to deny yourself, to take up your cross, and follow him. There's no aspect of that that sounds comfortable at all. I have four kids at home, all ages 10 and below, 10, 8, 6, and 3. My usual joke is my wife and I are surviving on coffee and prayer. But one of the, one of the things that I love about being a father is that I love teaching my children new things. I love teaching them aspects of God's Word. And hearing when they when they recite their their children's catechism back to me, I love that. It gives me such joy. I grew up in a musical family. There's never been a time in my life where there was not music playing in some form. And so to share that with them, I grew up reading comics, watching black and white Godzilla movies and, and just wonderful geeky things like that. And to share that with them, I took my kids yesterday to our local comic shop for free comic book day because I love teaching them about the things that I'm passionate about. But you know what I didn't have to teach them? I didn't have to teach them how to be selfish. They do that all on their own. I didn't have to teach them how to be vindictive and to want to get back at uh, uh, other people, usually their brothers or sister who have wronged them. I didn't have to teach them to lash out when they feel hurt or angry or upset. That comes natural to them. Because you and I, we are born selfish and sinful. We are born looking out for number one. You do not have to teach a baby to scream out, no, mine. We naturally want the things in life that make us comfortable. We don't want to give those things up, especially because we don't want someone else to have that thing that I don't have. But Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, And follow me. When Paul addresses the church in Philippians chapter 2, he puts it this way. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Count others, not just as important, but to count them as more significant than yourself. Think of them before you think of yourself. Look to the interests of those around you. Now, we like to think pretty highly of ourselves, if you're anything like me. To go uh, to the grocery store or, or to go to, uh, to Walmart or wherever it is that you go shopping and be like, oh, well, there was a closer parking space, and I, I let that other person have it. Look at what a good person I am you know what, I've got a full buggy and they only have a few items, so I let them go ahead of me. Oh, I gave up so much for them. And it's easy to pat ourselves on the backs when it's easy to sacrifice. What about when you come home from a long, grueling day at work or a disappointing day at school and mom says, hey, can you help with the dinner? Clear the table, set the table and get the food out? In my case, when my wife says, hey, can you help me put the kids to bed? I am exhausted and I need your help. When you're all ready to, to uh, get into your those comfy jammy pants and kind of just spend a few minutes on the couch relaxing, and someone says, oh, I forgot I need this tomorrow for, for work or school or whatever, can you run to the store and get that for me? Are we willing to sacrifice when it actually affects our literal comfort? What if it actually costs you something? What if you have to actually deny your pride and admit that you were wrong? Uh-oh. What if you have to deny the plans that you made for yourself the way that you wanted to spend your weekend because a single parent next door needs help around the house? What would it look like if you willingly let go of comfort? Not in a sense to make yourself miserable. Not to say, oh, I'm such a worm, I don't deserve anything good. But to to deny yourself. To take up your cross and maybe, maybe even hurt a little. Just so you can show the love of Christ to those around you. Sometimes following Jesus and letting go of comfort also means to willingly let go of safety as well. Jesus continues, for whoever would save his life will lose it. For whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now be honest, when you hear that, doesn't a small part of you sound, feel a little bit terrified? Because I know I do. I, I don't want to hurt. I don't want to suffer. No one wakes up in the morning saying, man, I hope today completely devastates me. We don't want to welcome those things into our life. But scripture never promises a safe life. If anything, scripture promises that we're going to suffer if we follow Christ. In 1 Peter Four verses 12 through 13, Peter writes, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Did you catch that certain phrase that he said? Do not be surprised when the fiery trials come. Not if, when. Because if you are following Christ, if you were denying yourself and taking up your cross, there will come a point in life where you're going to have to choose to suffer. I remember after my mom passed in 2014, a friend of mine recommended a book by Larry Crabb called Shattered Dreams. And it was a very difficult time in my life, but it was a powerful eye-opening experience by going through that grief while reading that book because it taught me that sometimes we need to be shattered. Shattered our dreams, our expectations. Sometimes your very soul itself needs to be shattered and broken down in order for God to put it together in a way that reveals more glory than we could ever dream. We love to make our safe plans. We make our safe choices. We hope for safe outcomes. Think, whenever you send off a, a, a mission, a group on a mission trip, or uh, for students going to summer camp or anything like that, and you stop to pray before travel begins, what do you pray for? Safe travels. We're used to and accustomed to, we want our faith to make us comfortable and to keep us safe. But God's glory is not in safe. Safety makes people afraid to stand up against the injustices in the world around them. Safety keeps people from new experiences because they're afraid of failing. Safety would prevent missionaries from ever leaving the comfort of home to going and expanding the God, uh, God's kingdom and spreading the word. Safety would have kept Jim and Elizabeth Elliot from Ecuador, where he ended up losing his life, to proclaim the glorious name of Christ. Scripture doesn't call for reckless abandon, throwing caution to the wind and to live in chaos, but it does call for us to hold loosely, let go of the concept of safe, and to willingly lay down our very lives for the sake of the gospel. And that's what Jesus is driving toward at this point. Not just letting go of comfort and safety, but willingly letting go of your very life itself. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? What good is it to cling to the fleeting powers in this life? The things that in our life might seem like they last for decades, but in the span of eternity are gone in a flash. What good is it to cling to the things of this life and yet lose your very soul in the process? I want you to think for just a moment, because each of us are tempted in our own different ways, what areas are you willing to compromise in the name of comfort? and safety that you're not willing to let go of your own life maybe maybe for you it's the temptation of status you want to make your name known you want to you want others to look at you and say that is a great person man what it, what it must be like to be that person maybe for you it's it's your wealth or your stuff that you just have to accumulate more and more for for uh, for your comfort, for your pleasure, to feel that, that sense of security that if I just have a little bit more, then I won't be afraid. Maybe it's the sense of political power in some sense, that you're willing to align yourself with someone that you disagree with morally, Because the ends justify the means. Are you willing to risk your very soul for the glory and power of this world? Going back to Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes that for the Christian, our motivation is to be like Christ. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul is saying, this is the way that you should look. This is the way that you should think to think and act and live like Jesus. This Jesus who is in the very form of God, who gave up his comfort and took the form of a servant, who gave up his safety and emptied himself and made himself humble. The very son of God himself set aside his comfort and his glory and humbly came as a baby subject to pain and hunger and ridicule, and was willing to humble himself to the point of death itself. And in the process, he took the spiritual debt that you owe upon himself, the debt that you could never pay, and he gave you his righteousness. So that you, who Romans chapter 5 describes as an enemy of God, That's what you and I were. We were declared as enemies of God. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ redeems you and declares you to be righteous children of a holy God. All because the Son of God himself willingly laid aside his comfort and his safety and he laid down his rights for your sake. And that is what Jesus is asking you to step up and do. Not in order to earn his love, but because his love was already poured out for you first. He did it for you first. That's what it takes to follow Christ. That's what it takes to advance his kingdom and his agenda. Not to win arguments not amassing power and wealth, not making our name great and proclaiming the wonderful things that we may or may not have done, but to deny yourself, to lay down your comfort, to let go of the notion of safe and wildly love those around you, even to the point of laying down your life for others. I don't know what your struggles are, your temptations. But I can tell you that Jesus is inviting you to come, to follow him, to step out of your comfort and to step away from safety, to be willing to lay your life down for the sake of others, because that is what Jesus did for you. To reflect the love and the glory of the risen savior to a broken world. And so I want to ask you, will you choose to stay in your comfort and your safety. Because it's easier to avoid pain and heartache. To hold on to the things of this world. And in the process, lose your very soul. Or will you instead choose to boldly follow Christ? To deny your comfort stepping out of your own safety, forsaking the prophet of this world to lay down your life because Jesus loved you enough first to make you a holy child of God. How will you choose to live? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning confessing, that far too often our hearts and our minds want to push our own agenda, our own name, our own desires and wants. Far too often we do not lay down our rights for the sake of others. Lord, we confess our selfishness and our pride. And we ask that you would remind us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That we would go out to the world around us. We would go to our neighborhoods and our schools and our workplaces. That whenever we would go shopping or wherever we go, that God, we would be reminded that Jesus Christ laid himself down for our sake. Because he loved us first. Let us go out into the world loving Others, as Christ has loved us, let us lay down our rights, step out of our comfort, and proclaim the glorious risen name of Jesus Christ. It's in his wonderful and holy and powerful name we pray. Amen.